0: You're looking to change things up in your classroom. You'd like to see more student participation and interest, or you really need a better way to tap into each student's individual abilities. Maybe you're happy with everything in your classroom, and you're just that teacher who will stop at nothing to provide the very best opportunities for your students so you're always open to hear more good news. Well, let me personally welcome you to the Student-Centered Science Teacher Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kurosis. I'm a secondary science teacher with 11 years experience teaching at-risk students in a distance learning cyber model. And yet, I've realized success in my efforts to plan for and execute student-centered learning. See, I believe that a science teacher's job goes beyond transferring specific content knowledge. Rather, I believe our duty is to prepare students for life beyond our walls help develop them into informed, active members of society who can confidently make all kinds of decisions. So on this podcast, our discussions will focus on strategies to promote active learning in the classroom and their outcomes, as well as creating and nurturing a culture that enables students to take ownership of their learning by planning next steps and implementing our feedback. Here, we believe that our classrooms are learning laboratories, not just for students, but also for teachers. You'll always get encouragement to keep on experimenting, because what you do and how you do it matters. Let's jump into today's topic. Ladies and gentlemen, I have such a treat for you today. Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you prefer to listen to me every week, this is not going to take too much of your time. We're going for a short-form podcast episode this week. At least that's how I think it's going to go. I have to tell you, my most listened to episode so far is the one entitled What Students Think of Student-Centered Learning. And I find that so interesting. On one hand, I totally understand because that very issue was my concern in making the switch and doing things a little different. How are my students going to respond? What are they going to learn? You know, on one hand is, are they going to just do the work? Are they going to be too lazy? And so what are my outcomes going to be just participation wise? And then on the flip side is, are they going to be able to do those standard based Tasks and show mastery of the skills regarding the content when they're spending all their time kind of exploring it. And my part in explaining it is so proportionally small. So if you're out there and you're like, Yeah, I really needed to hear that episode, you know, I feel you. It's maybe where we would all start in getting the inspiration, overcoming some of our anxieties or fears with making the change. And so it was shortly after I recorded last week's podcast that maybe it was even the same day, but I think it might have been a few days later. I left my desk for the day and my kids had already come home from school and I was making salads for dinner and our kitchen and living room, it's pretty open. There's no wall between it. My kids are in the living room playing their tablet games and i'm making salads for dinner and this is sort of our individual quiet time (laughs) it's the time that if i am actually home and able to prepare dinner we're not off to soccer practice or something that i kind of just do my thing i've i've learned to appreciate dinner preparation (laughs) in so much as it provides me time to unwind from the day but it is is not my favorite task And the kids, you know, have come home from school and they're doing their thing together. And out of nowhere, my older son starts telling me about his day. Now, my husband and I are dutiful in our family dinners. And when we can't have family dinner, the time we do have together asking kids what happened at school. And and they love to share it with us. But it's really remarkable. Something is always usually a little special when they prompted themselves. And what my son proceeded to tell me was a little shocking, even for me. I mean, and I guess mostly just in the context of the material I prepare for you each week. And now I have to tell you, my older son, he's on the slightly more mature side. He really thinks deeply about things and he he pays a lot of attention he asks a lot of questions and i'm not shy about sharing my work with them honestly they routinely ask how was my day and i'm probably pretty descriptive about my day they actually know the struggles i've had teach at my cyber school and they have been there themselves so they know what other students behave like at the cyber school And they know what I'm after, you know, I, and I talk about it freely with my husband and they're around. So I'm kind of an open book and they, and I know they're like sponges, little kids, you know, especially my older son. He's always like sucking it in, whatever's going on around him. He's at that age. And so maybe he's initiated this conversation because he knew it would apply, but I think no, I think he was just excited. What I'd like to do for you today is actually interview him. And this might have him pretty stoked. After he told me what he had to tell me about that day, I said, Max, I need to interview you for the podcast. Now, as a reminder, Max is in fourth grade. So perhaps for many of you listening, I actually don't know what the, what the level of my science teachers are who tune into me every week. But I definitely gear my information toward middle school high school teachers because as I've said throughout my content throughout the last 16 episodes I feel like elementary teachers naturally always already tap into the natural curiosity of students from what I've seen in my own students work from what I've seen happen at my cyber school with elementary school teachers and students and It's only through the progression that comes with more formalized report cards and grade point averages and math placement and all of those things that we start to do as students grow through the educational process that we focus on facts and figures, being correct. And that idea of it's okay to be curious kind of goes out the door. So just to reframe for you all, if I were listening to this, I some some portion of, my, of me might go, oh, well, he's a fourth grader. <laughs> and that's true. But in what I can tell so far, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, it's the bridge to middle school. But I found what he said fascinating, and I hope we can replicate the conversation. <laughs> I have a series of questions I'm going to ask him. And I'm going to try not to be too provoking because I want it to be as natural as possible. I want you to hear what I heard because... Um, for a few reasons. Also, of course, I'm a gushing mom, right? I, I, I'm very proud of my kiddos. But that episode you might have listened to on this podcast, what students have to say about student-centered learning, that, that was you got to kind of just trust that I'm being honest, that those were real student comments there's no way for me to authentically invite them on the program and have them share because most of them are minors and also i don't want to cross the lines between school and business here right but i have a kid in my own house who can very impactfully and in that special kid way be totally transparent about his thoughts and the process and guess what i'm not his teacher so I've identified a teacher who does something super duper well. I want you to hear what it is, and I want you to hear what he had to say about it, and I suspect he'll even be able to explain to you what he learned from it. So I am very much looking forward to this episode. I promised it would be short, but I have already almost talked for 10 minutes. (laughs) So let's get right to it. Okay, I have here with me today my son, Max. Max, you want to say hello? Hi. All right. Max, you want to tell us a little about yourself? What grade are you I'm in?
1: I'm in fourth grade. I like school and I also like to play video games. <laughs> you like school and you like to play video games. Which do you like better? <laughs> that's
0: a tough one, right? I think probably not a tough one. You could be honest here.
1: I can't say it, I I, I can't say it, I can't,
0: I can't choose between the two. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, what's your
1: favorite, what's your favorite subject in school? Math and science. Cool.
0: All right. So you have an interest in science. That probably came from your mama, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe.
0: All right. I invited you on the podcast today because last week, Mm -hmm. um, we were having a conversation about what happened at school and it was really awesome what you said. And I think everybody else would really benefit (laughs) from hearing it. Because actually, what you were describing is that your teacher did something like what all of these teachers listening want to do. And maybe some of them might be uncertain about like how students would feel about that, or how they would respond to it. So I have some questions for you about that experience, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Well, The first question I have for you is, let's tell our listeners, what were you trying to learn last week in science? What was the lesson about?
1: We were learning how to make an electrical circuit.
0: Okay. And so did your teacher get to the front of the room and and tell you how to make an electrical circuit?
1: No, we had to experiment.
0: Oh, and how did you experiment? What kind of tools did she give you?
1: A wire, a C battery, and a tiny, tiny light bulb smaller than your pinky finger.
0: Wow, that is tiny and very specific. Thank you for that detail. that one.
1: Yes.
0: Smaller than your pinky finger. Yeah. Yeah. And what was your goal? So she gave you these tools and what did she expect you to, she expect you to build a circuit, but how did you know when you built the circuit
1: correctly? When the light bulb lit up to <clears throat> show that it was producing power and transferring it to the light bulb.
0: Awesome. And you said she did show you how to put it together and you followed instructions no. or what happened? Or what did she expect <clears throat> you guys to do with these tools?
1: Just fidget around and experiment with them, and we weren't told what to do. We just had to trial and error with it.
0: Awesome. So, do you remember how you put it together? Can you explain to us how you put it together? Yes. <clears throat> because the light bulb lit, right? Mhm. And so that was the goal. You yes. got it to light up. Awesome.
1: I'd like at the last thing.
0: At the last second, and that's a really important piece to mm-hmm. how you felt about it, right? Okay, can you
1: tell us how you put it together? Do you remember? So, I put part of the wire on the negative end of the battery. I put the small light bulb on the positive end, and then I put the other side of the wire below the light bulb, and it lit up.
0: Cool. We hadn't practiced this question ahead of time, but... Could you guess how long it took you to, like, how long did she give you to play before time was up?
1: On day one, we had about 30 minutes, and I didn't solve it then. And then on the second day, we had about 20 minutes.
0: Oh, this is something I didn't know. So at the end of the first day, had anybody, had any other groups figured it out? One group. Ah, and did they keep it a secret?
1: Yeah, we weren't supposed to look.
0: Okay. And so you were done that day, and you didn't know how to do the circuit. Was Did that make you nervous? No. It didn't. Did it make your team? Were you working on a team, or were you working by yourself?
1: Yes, I was working in a team of two.
0: Oh, in a team of including two. Including me. Okay. And on and then so you had almost the same amount of time the second day.
1: Yeah, but a little, a ten minutes less.
0: Okay, and you got it. You said right before the end, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: What happened when it was over?
0: Like after the end, did she tell you how it worked or did she ask some students to explain how it worked or what what happened they showed, at the end?
1: They showed uh the teacher showed everybody how it worked. But I had just got it to lit before she did that.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: How did it make you feel because it took
0: you and I didn't know this ahead of time folks? It took him the whole first day and almost the whole second period to get it through. So, let me ask you a very specific question. Were you frustrated at all in that process over the two days?
1: No, not really, but <clears throat> No. Good.
0: How did it make you feel when you got when you accomplished the goal, when you when that light bulb lit up
1: right before it was over? Really good, but honestly, I felt like Einstein.
0: Oh, can you say that louder? Because that's the gem. (laughs) That's the gem, folks, in all of this. I mean, it's the line that made me go, everyone has to hear this.
1: Say it again. I felt really good, but honestly, I felt like Einstein. You felt like Einstein. (laughs) That's a pretty good feeling. I think that
0: means Einstein was really smart. And so when you got done, you were like, man, I'm really smart. I can do this. The reason that that's important for all these teachers to hear is because in my experience, when we let students play and experiment and try, when they do see success, the amount of pride they feel is enormous. And the way you describe that is just proof. That's why I have you here telling us about it. Okay, the last thing I want to ask you, because sometimes um, teachers, one of my concerns in, in taking this approach as a teacher was that maybe if I didn't show them everything about how to do it first, then they wouldn't be able to do it eventually or or explain the process hmm? as well. Because there were probably some kids in your class who didn't actually get the circuit to work, mm-hmm. right? They didn't. So okay,
1: like a majority of the class, there were only three groups, including mine, that got it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, it's really common for teachers to just tell students how things work, and then they take a test or something, and they're like, have to say it again. So, I'm wondering if you could just tell the audience what you learned about how a circuit works.
1: I learned that a circuit, <clears throat> the wires have to be going in a circle, connecting to a power source, and then the thing you want to transfer the energy... So it has to be connect, partially connected to the wire, and once it's in a circle, it's an infinite energy source. Therefore, it'll light the light bulb or whatever you're using to produce electricity.
0: In that's amazing. You do sound like Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> Max, thank you so much for taking time away from your, your video games today to uh, share this little nugget with us. I'm sure all the teachers appreciate it very much. Okay. High five. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. So I don't know if you guys could tell, but he was a little bit nervous in sharing that with us. It's interesting, you know, cause we're just in my little office here and talking together but he understands the value in sharing this information. I hope so much that this was a little nugget of inspiration for you today. Though it was off the beaten path of what we typically talk about and the, the, I mean, I think heavy and deep information I typically share with you. Something coming this way, this your way this week that is a little lighter and yet so very impactful to boosting your confidence in maybe making the switch, if you're looking to do that, and as I close out here, I want to remind you that I'm here for you as you seek to make the switch. We have so many resources already for you to reference throughout your throughout your journey. Uh, the first of which is an actual lesson. lesson planning guide to include what I call the effective elements of interactive science lessons for student-centered learning. You can download this at www.labineverylesson.com slash five elements. That's the number five, E-L-E-M-E-N-T-S. And actually in that download is linked all of the podcast episodes that further describe in great excruciating detail each of the elements and how you might incorporate that into your own lessons, into your own content. Another follow-up guide that you might want to download has more to do with execution of these lessons. And this is a series that I'm in the middle of delivering right now in our podcast. And that is six things to consider when making the switch to student-centered learning. And this might be for those of you out there who have kind of either been established and rooted in a specific way of teaching that is maybe lecture-based and note-taking-based. Or maybe along the way, you you had intentions for being a very a very interactive, very hands-on teacher, but something got in the way and you kind of got pulled in another direction. In any case, this guide can help you think about all of what's involved in implementing and following through on these student-centered principles that you're going to bring to your classroom. And you can download this guide at my website, www.labineverylesson.com considerations, And finally, if you're looking to gather a wealth of knowledge, get notified of my blog posts and my podcast episodes, and exchange ideas with other science teachers, as well as respond to anything that's there, podcast, blog, ideas, anything at all, you can join the free community. It will always be free. It is never on Facebook. That address is community.labineverylesson.com. I hope to see you there. Until next week, everyone, make it a great day.